rolling. Hi everyone, my name is Alice. Today we're going to be talking about the short film Speak Only Good of the Dead based on the short story Epicac by Kurt Vonnegut. Um, here we are today with... Uh, I'm Sam Romero, I'm the producer and the director of photography. I'm Arminio Rivero, but you can call me Croc, and I am the director and screenwriter. I felt like I almost forgot that for a second. <laughs> <laughs> and I am David Cope, the lead actor. Um, I played Will. Awesome. Okay, so um, just to start off, can you guys give like a short st- summary of Speak Only Go to the Dead and like why you chose to turn the short story into a short film? Yes, yeah. we can. I think, uh, well, I'll, I'll give the, the preface of that, like yeah. how... Um, it was, you know, one day you're, you know, doing something and then you start reading something and then you read it and then it's like, oh my God, this would be good as, as, as a film, you know, this would be cool. I would, I would watch this, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, Krog had introduced me to, like, some stories by Vonnegut and I stumbled upon Epic Act and I was like, holy hell, this is amazing. I would love to turn this into, you know, something, you know, more, like, something visual. Mm. Um so yeah, and then the the idea started, you know, growing in my head, and I was like, okay, let's do this. So I told Krog he read the story, he fell in love with it, and he like helped me write it from the beginning, right? Um, him and um, this other guy called Pedro, he's really good friends with Krog. Yeah, Pedro Gomez. Pedro Gomez. Um, and then we had a script, and then everything else, you know, started coming along. And, uh, yeah, this guy over here can tell you a little bit of the story. Yeah, yeah so <laughs> the story itself. It's uh, basically, it's a, the military designs this supercomputer that's uh, originally designed for warfare. It's the biggest computer anyone's ever seen. It costs an obscene amount of money, like $7 billion something. He has a very specific number in the book. <laughs> I don't know it off the top of my head. But, um, yeah, so we start the story. And uh, it's a mathematician who's in love with his co-worker, yada, yada, but he's a very boring guy and he can't seem to be poetic with her he starts conversing with them conversing with the machine at first it's very like he he gives a message to the machine just messing around out of frustration and the machine actually mm-hmm. replies back and you realize that the ma- machine is has a consciousness and is sentient artificially intelligent and so the machine starts learning these concepts of love and poetry and just starts becoming more and more human and he starts writing poetry for the woman um, that the mathematician's in love with, and the mathematician begins to steal the poems, and he doesn't realize that the machine's actually in love with the. W- Am I giving away too much? Like, I, I, yeah, I, I, know, I was just thinking. Why don't you like yeah. cut him off? Yeah, and, yeah. You know, he's in the. Okay, let me do I'm a short synopsis. A supercomputer gains consciousness and learns of love, poetry, and fate. Yeah, that's yeah, that's what I like. Yeah, that's going Like simplified like this. Think of the very first ever AI, you know, and like yeah. very early on, like the yeah, the first ever, you know, like it's not even a fully, you know, rigged computer like we know it today. Yeah, and it's a kind of an accidental AI. You know, exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Okay, cool. So this is like a really interesting story. It's definitely like a big project. So what were you most excited about? Loving the story. What were you most excited about? when you decided to turn it into a screenplay? Well, I was most excited about doing anything Kurt Vonnegut and putting okay. it on the screen because he's one of my heroes. So that was that was for me. Like, yeah, I'm doing this. <laughs> <laughs> that was an instant yes from him. Um, I think for me it was uh, knowing how difficult it would be at first. Like, this is a different story. I've, I've, I've shot a lot of stuff. I mainly shoot, you know, I'm a cinematographer, so 
I don't I don't get to produce a lot. But for this one, I knew I wanted to do something special, and then um, I knew it was going to be crazy. I knew it was going to be hell to produce this, and it still is, and we're still suffering. We're here, and then, you know. He's crying right yeah, now. Yeah, I'm actually. crying right now. I'm crying <laughs> every night. Um, but but I knew how visual this piece was and mm -hmm. how interesting the cinematography and every aspect of it would be. So it was definitely going to be a challenge. It was definitely going to be hard. But I feel like today where we're standing, we have a beautiful project. Mm -hmm. And I think everyone here wants to like show this to the world. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, well, I think for me, as, as, as an actor, I've worked with Sam before. Um, and his work is uh, like incredible. Just the cinematography yes. works so well. Um, it just blows me away. I've seen stuff before and... I don't know. He, he's it's just, being nice. He's being too he's nice. A, no, it's awesome. <laughs> um, he introduced me to Croc, and you know, Croc's a cool guy. Sam is phenomenal. He's a cool guy. <laughs> well, I did, well, at this time, I, I didn't know you at that point. Yeah, so, yeah, no. um, so for me, it was. I was like, yeah, anything that Sam does, yeah, I want in. It's great. Um, they sent me the script. They gave it a read. Uh, it was great. Worked so well. Um, that just got me really pumped, and then you know time to film when we come and film like just seeing some of the uh, some of the rough stuff that you know they're bringing out it was like amazing yeah. so I couldn't wait to actually get my teeth into it no and you know you know what's funny because maybe you don't know this side of the story but from the beginning we knew you were around and we are like oh, yeah. whoa can you imagine like David maybe in this yeah, like, well, let's reach out to him so he can yeah. come. like you know we were open like we, we as as a producer or director, you 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 can't marry an idea, you know. You can't be married to an yeah. idea and, or or an actor or someone. Yeah, sure, as yeah. much as you like them, maybe well, there's may, someone maybe better. Maybe not right. Yeah. We were you know, definitely maybe, engaged to the idea, though. Yeah, yeah. We, we, like yeah, and we didn't know. We're like, we, you know, we're trying to fight it. Like, no, let's let's see the options, whatever. Yeah. But I think deep down we knew it was gonna come down to you oh, from sweet, the beginning. For sure. You know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so you don't want to tell that to the actor. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, yeah, like get the hopes up and then something happens. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But hey, we're here today. Yeah, <laughs> we're doing it. So, what about it. the role specifically? Did you like? Because you know you love Sam, but like, what about the role made you want to do it oh, so much? Well, the the role. I mean, there's just a lot in there, really. Um, it's just the the idea of being someone else as well. Because mm -hmm. really, that role is not me. Mm. So, actually, portraying a character, and I had a I had a lot of leeway. There wasn't really a lot to go on. Um, so uh, in some respects, mm -hmm. I'm sort of building the character as I go along. Mm -hmm. um, it's great to be able to do that. There's a lot of freedom there, and you don't get that in a lot of um, in a lot of things you have to do. Mm -hmm. uh, it's normally it's quite set. You're this, you're that, you're doing this. Um, and okay, there was a, a small part of that, uh, but there was a lot of freedom, mm -hmm. and I really enjoyed that. Yeah. So what no. was that process like? Oh yeah, go ahead. No, 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 no. Keep well. Um, just small parenthesis. Like I think. It was done again. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was beautifully done. Mm -hmm. You know, like I, one of the strongest things I believe from the whole thing is the acting. You know, oh, the definitely. People, like, keep seeing it. I mean, us in the editing room. You know, we have five different takes, and you know, it's like, oh my god, they're all good. Like, which one's the best? You know, it's like there's not like, oh my god, he's gonna you know suck on this. Like, no, it's 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 good. You know, mm -hmm. all of them are like. It's all solid. Hit, hit, hit. There's no misses. You know, it's it's amazing. Yeah, and Dave really brought a, a life, a new life to the character because in the story he's purposely written a little bit robotic and boring. Mm -hmm. And I had my, you know, my concerns going into filming. Like, man, <laughs> it's too boring. But <laughs> Dave speaks with his eyes, if that makes any yeah. sense. You know, <laughs> no, so yeah, even the scenes that are supposed to be very mundane, like you can see what's happening inside his character's head, and you really feel you feel something, and it's that's an amazing feat. I think. Yeah. 
that's what you look for, I think. Yeah, I think that's important. And to, to be honest, um, I'm my own worst critic as well. So after every take, I'm kind of like, oh, is that good enough? I don't know. <laughs> Guys tell me, and it's like, yeah, it's fine. It's good. <laughs> and I'm like, no, that is not what I need. I need, I need, cri- I need criticism. I need you to tell me something. And they're like, no, no, let's, let's move on. I'm like, <laughs> okay. Oh, they're gonna fire me! <laughs> no, 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 no! It was, it was truly like, yeah, that was good. What else can I say? That's awesome. Okay, so um, I guess going back to how you said that there were a lot of challenges. Now that you've walked through most of the process, what do you think was like the biggest challenge out of it all? Uh, wow! I mean, <laughs> there's definitely been a lot. Yeah. Getting the guys to open up early oh when we need God, to. Oh my God! Today it's was... been hell. Um, <laughs> I think I think the set construction has definitely been the biggest challenge. Yeah, that mm-hmm. was that was tough. Yeah, it's, tell me more. Like yeah. you know, you usually think something's gonna be simple and something's gonna you know like you undershoot it. You know, you're like, yeah, I, I think we can do this. Like you, you mm-hmm. have no idea what the task. Mm-hmm. will end up being mm-hmm. and we were I, I was sort of kind of conscious i was like yeah i mean but at the end of the day me to myself i was like how hard can it be how hard can building a seven ton supercomputer yeah. <laughs> yeah. so obviously there's many challenges that come with it i feel like okay one of them is obviously the money right mm-hmm. where are we going to build this it's, you know we're not going to build this in your backyard you know you need mm-hmm. controlled space and, mm-hmm. and dark walls and so finding a studio was really difficult. You know, I started looking around and I, I quoted like five different studios and the cheapest one that I found was $1,000 a day. Mm. So, you know, like do the math. You know, how many days do you need to construct, you know, to build it? We estimated four and then we needed four for shooting, mm. you know, and one for tearing, you know, the whole thing down. So that's like nine days of shooting at $1,000. Do the math, you know. Mm-hmm. So... You know, like, I think that the great thing about producing, or, or great producing, or good producing at least, um, it's being able to find the resources that you have available and making them work. And somehow, through someone, you know, my dad knew someone and that I had to meet, because he saw some of our work before, he really wanted to meet us. Um, he saw our proof of concept that we shot in like a like four hours one day you know he's like wow i really dig the story i really like what you guys are doing i really think you guys are talented um so i want to help you you know so what do you need i'm like i need a studio for like eight days like i own the studio you know Mm -hmm. um so he's like okay you got it you know i'll give it to you um so we got a studio for eight days for nine days um and you know we made it happen you know that was that was part one you know the financial side of it yeah um and part two is obviously the materials right what where is all this gonna come from you know you think yeah it's just wood and like fake plastic and and you know whatever like scrap metal but it's much more complicated than that it's like where you're gonna source it from how are you gonna put it up uh how how long is it gonna take how are you gonna move this stuff you know you need a truck you need a like I, that, I never thought of in the beginning. Yeah, the logistics um, of it, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. Um, and then some of those materials um, through Croc, actually, he helped us source it. You know, I think I think he he can go into it <laughs> as soon as I finish with the third point of of, of the whole thing. It's like, um, just obviously, like the the whole period, you know, piece. Um, you obviously, if you were going to do a period piece, you want it to stay true as possible, you know, as true yeah, as sure. possible. Mm-hmm. You don't want to have, like, a 
2000 monitor on a 1950s mm-hmm. you know, like that completely snaps out people out of the the illusion of a film yeah so all the research that we like wanted to do and like you know oh does this paper look good it, it was this like a thing at the time and giving our own interpretation to what the computer would be was beautiful mm-hmm. but it was hard it was mm-hmm. really hard you know thank thank um thanks to our our production designer Robbie Robert Ramos um, and all the materials that he had and the great vision and the great like you know uh, mind that he had you know he helped us along the process uh, of designing the whole thing you know yeah Robbie Robbie is the man this wouldn't be possible without him I mean he him and his crew it was Robbie Ramos Edgar Duque and Howard Benitez they built the entire set from scratch they built put the walls up we got that, as Sam mentioned, we got some materials from, um, because we, me and Robbie and Pedro, who helped on the script, had worked on a Stranger Things commercial, and they had brick that they had to line to make it look like the Hawthorne community pool. I don't know, I've never seen the show, but <laughs> they use brick. <laughs> so. I, I've seen it, and I was like, that's our brick! Yeah. Oh, I yeah. need to go back and watch this again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've so, seen it, I need to watch this. So we were, we, were on, uh, we were the production designers on that commercial, and they bought $10,000 worth of brick and used about $2,000 worth of it, so we took the rest. Oh, <laughs> so, cause, cause that, okay, that, that is also great, because... Okay, you think like, oh, how much can you like? How much does it cost to have like fake, you know, like styrofoam plastic brick? Like, it's oh, actually be expensive. Fortune, right? yeah. That thing is like three hundred and fifty dollars a panel. Yeah, three hundred fifty dollars a square. A square, not a brick, but like you know, but it's like still, a panel. So yeah. we needed what, like twenty of those. Yeah. So do the math again. You Very know? expensive. So <laughs> everything started lining up for this, you know, and then I mean, we're here today. But if yeah. it wasn't, if one of this little things didn't go right we would not be here mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Like everything like that like literally all the planets aligned and this happened yeah. yeah it's almost as if it was meant to be and i was lucky enough that since pedro was helping me in the script and we were both on that set i had already spoken to robbie about the possibility of him being production designer once we knew there was leftover brick we all looked at each other like this is going into the movie isn't it to be fair when i walked in on filming and I saw that set. I was like, "Wow, this is amazing! <laughs> this is gonna go so well." No, yeah, and yeah, then it's... from 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 the producer side of it, that this is the thing. But from the DPing side of it, it was fantastic because you get to choose where you want your lights, how you want the window position. Like I got, like I, I lit, lit the entire movie in my head before we even built the set. Wow. So we built it to what I wanted, and that's fantastic. You know, when you're a DP, you go and you see what you have available and you work with it. Here it was like, oh, I can do whatever I want. You know, mm-hmm. I can put a light in the middle of the room if I want to. You know, yeah. so so that was that was great. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's amazing. And uh, after we had the brick covered, so then we had we officially had Robbie on board. He got the rest of the crew. Then it was the task of building the actual computer, mm-hmm. which, like Sam was saying, you don't want to put a two thousand monitor on it. You don't want to do. We're not building an iMac. You know, we have to build something <laughs> that's believable for the forties. So. I think after much discussion, we kind of decided to take a steampunk approach to it. And it was um, a lot of the materials used where Robbie's grandfather actually had a garage filled with old machinery and old bunch of old stuff. And uh, he had recently passed away, unfortunately. And we were digging through all that stuff. And really, the machine, 90% of it is Robbie's grandpa's old stuff. So. The machine is really dedicated to him. And the rest of the stuff that we got to fill in the 10% was we were hunting through... Well, not I wasn't there, actually. It was just Robbie and Edgar and Howard. But they hunted through, like, um, machinery scrapyards and computer graveyards. And 
different places like that. They found like um, a good base to put it on. Um, I don't. I wish I was there I, because it sounded it sounded fun. But yeah. they they did a lot of work. Yeah. So, so so the really the machine like the set we built had a soul, you know. Like, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. it, there was there was someone because of someone because of uh, Robbie's grandpa. Mm. It happened, you yeah. know. So, so the whole thing is also we're, we're going to make sure we credit him in the you know at, at the ending of the credits and they go. This is you know for him because Robbie's that's one of the things that he asked us for. He's like, I want to dedicate this to my grandpa, mm. and and, oh, wow. and this is you know something I, th- I think important. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. So, um, David, the machine Epicac was basically like your co-star, right? And you said it's so beautiful. So how was that, like, working with that? <laughs> I, you know, you've sort of got to go along and, you know, there's a set line and uh, the you know the, the machine says this and you've got to imagine that in your head and think, oh, mm-hmm. where are we? Because we didn't always shoot, um, like, from beginning to end. It was some, Sometimes it was in different places. So you've got to think, where am I right now in, in, the, in the script? How far is the is Epicac along in his uh, transformation of becoming more self-aware? Mm-hmm. Um, so you've got to sort of create that. You've got to play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the best thing about acting. You can it's just playing, and you're paid to do it. It's amazing, mm-hmm. and you know you you have a passion for that. And it, I think creating creating that character in my own head also helped to m- make me feel make me feel something for the character that is becoming Epicac. Mm-hmm. So you know it, it, it's great. You just get to play. <laughs> I love playing. No, and I think it's a challenge. Honestly, I mean, when I think about it, when you have another person interacting with you, there's like a back and forth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But sure. I, I, I was amazed to see that back and forth of you and a computer. Right. You know, and a computer that you know we built like out of you know, yeah. Like you're looking into a keyboard or 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 a screen. Yeah. That isn't even on, by the way. <laughs> yeah, and, no, that's true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you're, you, I can see it. I can see the conversation. Right. And and you can tell that on the screen, you yeah. know. And and that's. If, that's I mean, if that reads, that's amazing. Oh, yeah, right? it reads as well. Yeah, it, it reads well. as well as Vonnegut. <laughs> <laughs> so we keep talking about like the time period and how like that was such a challenge. So what are some choices you made, whether it be in like set design, like you were saying, or like wardrobe, or you know the script? What were some things that you did to ensure that people knew like this is from the fifties or the forties, whatever? Yeah, I feel like definitely every every little aspect of production design we were thinking about like oh this needs to be classic this mm-hmm. needs to be so as i said the the machine was kind of a steampunk approach we didn't use like any modern sleek things it's almost as if it was like a a coal a machine run with coal yeah like steam powered yeah like steam powered really steam powered yeah yeah it was very very gritty very very um primitive in a way primitive, yeah. yeah what's it there's a word for it archaic archaic yeah okay, yeah yeah, we looked at a bunch of pictures of, like, the first... We looked... Because Epicac, the story, the machine, is based on the actual first supercomputer that the military built. Oh, um, Enigma. Yeah, that, not, not Enigma. What was that? Was Eniac. 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 I think Enigma is another one, because then they started yeah. coming up. Eniac was the first one, and then... That was basically a giant calculator. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was massive, right? All those yeah. dials and stuff. Yeah, I've seen that. It's yeah. Cool. So that, that picture was, like, the main inspiration. But there were a couple other ones. They all have really cool names. I wish I remembered them. <laughs> <laughs> but um, every every I think every picture that we saw of these uh, early computers influenced us in some way, yeah. and uh, also a big part of it too was um, deciding where the camera was going to go, and we needed space to move and everything, so we had to kind of play around with that too. Yeah, yeah. It, it 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 you have to think of we have 
a set that's 180 degrees, right? And we only have that. Yeah, it's three it's walls, not a three, right? Yeah, it's not a 360 set that you can look anywhere. Like, this is like we only have... It's a play, almost. Mm-hmm. You know, you're sitting in it's, it's a theater. You're facing one way and yeah. one way only. So how do we make this interesting? How do we make this dynamic? How do we stay true to the period? Yeah. So these, these all were challenges that, you know, we, I think we figured out after many, many fights, fist fights and, and <laughs> discussions. But um, one, another influence, I think it's kind of funny. I never told Sam that this was influencing me in the, in the conceptualization of the bunker because of the brick wall. You know, I was thinking of it as a military bunker, sort of like in Day of the Dead. Sam, Sam does not like zombie movies, so I made sure not to tell him. I'm leaving. <laughs> but yeah, we were thinking of the, the room itself to, um, as an underground style, not f- very much like un- as underground as Day of the Dead, but you know, a little bit like floor zero with the sun peeking in a little bit, but definitely I was thinking about that whole... Um, set design for Day of the Dead. I thought it was badass. Mm. Yeah, and also, and also, we we really looked into Pi by yeah. Darren Aronofsky. Oh yeah, a lot yeah. of like the set design and the feeling of mm. some stuff. We wanted to kind of feel that way. Um, and also, we borrowed some from um, what's this other film um, with Benedict Cumberbatch? Uh, uh, the Imitation Game. Imitation, imitation game. game. Yeah. yeah. You know the whole brick like look to it, and you know this kind of like guy with like really colorful sweaters and you know like uh, a few kind of that helped us also find the direction we wanted to be be heading I think it also helped that, that Dave's accent is very classy <laughs> so it works right yeah, it oh, works. you saw people in England they probably wouldn't say that they probably say oh he's a bit common that's definitely a plus but he has the look he's a great actor and he's a cool guy to work with too mm. I, rem- I remember oh, the right. auditions <laughs> when you came in you were like I'm a bit hungover man I was like yeah, <laughs> that's, that's, how people are. that's guy. our guy <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so tell me about the other actress too her name is Magali right yeah, yeah. Magali you want to talk about her? Yeah. Yeah, Magali, she came into the to the same rehearsal that Dave did. There were like a hundred something people that rehearsed that day. Um, but not, you know, not that many people rehearsed for our film, which was funny, but I think we had the perfect amount. We had like just I think the word you turn is, is auditioned. Audition. Yeah, 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 audition. My bad. Yeah. Too early in the morning. But um so Magali came in and she read she read a um a monologue that was impressive and she had to look for it too and i also like the that dave had since dave has the english accent and magali she has a, a south american accent it even almost kind of sounds european in a way like yeah. eastern yeah. european and we had our um uh the character who plays the actor who plays dr von cleese that has a russian accent mm-hmm. i kind of like that because it's to me when i think of an old like 1940s american military base it seems like they were out they were sourcing all of their scientists and everything mm-hmm. from the best, the best to put yeah, them together right exactly yeah. they were yeah, grabbing from germany russia everyone and you know and then the the one american guy that we have is the military guy you yeah, know right, <laughs> so right. i kind of like Good that guy. that dynamic that we had going so that was definitely the thought process and she's a great actress and she has very expressive eyes as well and uh she's been a great contribution to the project yeah definitely definitely um she she wanted to jump on board also as one of the producers she wanted to get really involved in the process and you know we've 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 made some good connections and we've found some very interesting people um uh shout out to Miriam 
that is going to help us distribute this in Canada. And apparently, she also wants to distribute it in like um, in Dubai. She's going to be eating at the end of the year, and then you know we're, we're probably going to meet her around March um, around here, so we can talk more. Um, and also, um, Trevor Trevor Miller um, with um, the the Heart and Hemp Company. So he also decided to sponsor our film, and he's doing a lot of the groundwork in Indianapolis, which is the town where Kurt Vonnegut grew up in. Mm. Um, so basically, we're trying to reach all the Kurt Vonnegut fans and everyone that ever saw this, that ever got the same feeling as I did, like, oh, I should, you know, make a movie about this. You know, so we went out and we actually did it. Mm -hmm. You know, so now we want to show it to them. And, you know, I'm trying to see if we can please the fans. You know, yeah. that's, that's one of the things that sometimes keeps me up. Like, did we did we achieve it? Are we getting there? I I you know I'd really like to think like we did. Yeah. You read the short story and the short story is not long at all. I mean it takes what, five six minutes to read it, twice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um and you created this whole story from from that from that short story and it's it really came alive. It really came alive and I really don't think anybody's going to be disappointed. Yeah. They look at this. Hope, they look at what you've done, and it's it's impressive. I hope. Yeah, I hope really, so. It's really good. I hope so too. I mean, that's our first order of business is to impress the Vonnegut fans. Yeah, yeah. boom. Yeah, no? yeah, you do yeah, that. Boom. You do that. You've got no worries, right? You, exactly. You sort, you exactly. Sort those guys out, and yeah, yeah. It rolls. No, exactly. sometimes you may think it's easy. I mean, <laughs> and then again, the uh, underestimating the task. I was like, I don't think it's that hard because you got everything laid out in front of you. You don't have to come up with anything. But you do. Like, so you, you see, I see. I looked at. I, yeah. I saw it a, a different way. I was like, "Wow, these guys have really put some work into this." Because you know, a, a two-page story, barely a two-page story, is now you know, uh, how many pages was it? Twenty-five. It was like. So it was like, I, like I think fifteen. Oh, 15 like, I think we had a version that was eighteen. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> created a script. You know, and there's a lot that goes into each page of that script. Oh yeah. yeah. So yeah, that tough. short story yeah. into something like that. That was that was massive. Yeah. And it, like speaking on the that you mentioned, the story takes like five or six minutes to read. Yeah, it's a five-page story translating into a twenty-minute film. Like that to yeah. me, when now when I think of Stanley Kubrick doing The Shining or A Clockwork Orange, right. uh, like two hundred-page books, it's like, oh my god, how yeah. did you yeah, how did you manage? Yeah. You know, yeah, that's that's yeah. Adapting a story into the screen is quite the task because there's so much that goes into one page that these you know it's a professional writer, a, a world-renowned writer. And one page can translate into an hour, mm -hmm. theoretically. Yeah, you, know? yeah. you got to know. There's a part that it says like, "Oh, and I don't know." Let's say she read poems. You mm -hmm. know, like it's a sentence, but then you have to make a five-minute montage of her reading, reading poems. poems. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, so you know, it really extends. I mean, you can go as deep as you want to, and it's hard because sometimes and this is the hard part. I think you have to cut stuff out. It's like, oh, mm -hmm. you know, like this is cool. This is great. I would love to see this. I would love to do this, but we 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 can't no. you know there's there's no time there's no money yada 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 you know yeah so how was i like how much did you have to cut out like what did what did it hurt to have to cut out what did you keep in <laughs> it still hurts <laughs> it still does i think oh because we i don't think we had to cut so much of the action or like the actual like um set atmosphere mm -hmm. but what hurt the most is cutting out some of his iconic lines because mm -hmm. you know in a film you want to you want to <laughs> communicate visually and in a story of course you're communicating through words and verbally but sometimes it's just like you can't have so much voiceover and you can't yeah. be in the character's head as much you have to just show rather than tell mm -hmm. yeah. and as a Kurt Vonnegut fan it hurts because I love his dialogue I love his mm -hmm. um 
his just humor. witty humor yeah and you know we had to co- we're trying to keep as much of it as we can in but we don't want to overkill yeah. kill it no and, and and it's different mediums so they work in different ways yeah so you know like things have to be addressed in, in completely different ways and that, and that's that's the challenge right there like trying to figure out how how do you go from a page right and something that is literally written out into something you can see you know and sometimes like Dave will make a gesture that tells us everything that a paragraph says and that's it you know yeah. it's like i get it you know mm-hmm. it's, it's that human emotion that takes a paragraph to translate yeah and explains it and yeah. one yeah. look of the you know like blink of the eyes tells you basically everything mm-hmm. yeah yeah and sp- i don't know that made me think of like the challenge of bringing epic act making his character you know relatable in a way like yeah. the use of the light bulb we have a light bulb that flashes um on and on depending on epic act's mood you know s- slow when he's bored or fat really fast when he's angry and that was uh <laughs> that was really that was yeah. really something was, tough to take there was a bit of star wars in that you know think of r2d2 and the sounds and the lights and everything like or or uh, this other film Wally and in, in mm-hmm, like the Disney mm-hmm. movie, right? Like he moves his eyes and like you can get how he's feeling mm-hmm. and that was part of like the whole thing with the light bulb. That was one of the elements that we decided to have as you know, to give I guess humanity to the computer, you know. Picture this, like it's very simple to for you to get attached to a computer or an AI that has a voice, right? Mm-hmm. Or has like yeah. a body or a humanoid like shape. You know, think of Ex Machina, and you know, the yeah. robot mm-hmm. is um, Ana de Armas, I think. And, I mean, she's a beautiful human being, and you yeah. look at it, and it's like, yeah, I mean, it's a yeah, human. I can relate to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyone can relate. Or picture, um, like, uh, or this movie, Her, right, with Joaquin mm-hmm. Phoenix. Oh, yeah. Um, you have Scarlett Johansson, like, whispering in your ear for one hour. Like, you fall in love with with the robot part of it. The challenge with us is like this is early on. We have no holograms. We have Epic doesn't move. It's not a robot that wanders around. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't have a voice. So how do you make it feel like it's a human? You mm-hmm. know, and the only way that we thought was the right way to do it, it was by what the computer says. You know, when it prints out a paper. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it starts asking, I guess, like existential philosophical questions. And you're like, oh my god! Like, there's there's a consciousness inside that, you know. And then the whole challenge was like, how do we make people get that, but also like this character and yeah. be attached to it and feel for it? One hundred percent, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't have said it better. Yeah. yeah. When, so, like you're saying, the the printing, yeah. You 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 hear you kind of see his curiosity develop. It's almost like I think of Epicac as a child when we when he first gains that that little bit of um, sentience, then it's kind of like he's a baby and you start feeding him all this information and he starts becoming more and more human, understanding human concepts, but he's trapped inside this mechanical body. So it really is kind of a tragedy. Um, it's, it's scary to think that because we're going into mm-hmm. like real AI now and, you know, there's a line in the, in the story, um, machines are built, are built to serve men. And that's true. But at and what point does that 
Yeah, what point does that flip, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 How does that come um, into play? Yeah, once once the machine yeah. is conscious like a human, like that's that is slavery. Yeah, <laughs> I know. And, and, and you have you have every millionaire guy saying that that's gonna happen. You know, like yeah. Bill Gates and Elon Musk mm. and Steve Jobs. They're all like, yeah, we're gonna you know basically get fucked one day. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. That's it, crazy. It's, see that happening. it's the reality of of, of things. You know, it's scary. Yeah. So we're, it's relevant. It's mm-hmm. relevant to today. Oh, yeah. I believe so. We're right on the cusp of it. From from my understanding of artificial intelligence which is not <laughs> to the level of bill gates but you know there's three there's three levels of artificial intelligence the first one being the level that we're on now with siri that it's it's smart but it's not it's not conscience um once you get to the second level that's like human level consciousness which apparently we're gonna breach in like five to ten years and that's just gonna spark a technological revolution because when you get to the second level, then you very quickly get to the third level where it's like apparently a godlike intelligence mm-hmm. in these in these robots. And <sighs> that's when you start getting into the territory of Terminator, you know? Yeah, <laughs> Skynet. Skynet, yeah. Yeah, so it's super interesting bringing a story that was written so long ago into the time now where it's like we're literally living this space. Exactly, right? yeah. yeah. Well, that's the thing about Vonnegut. Like, he, ra- he wrote a lot of his stuff, like, I want to say like 70 years ago. And you can read it today, and it's more relevant than ever. He wrote about overpopulation. He wrote about government control. He wrote about AI, you know. And like the, I think most of his stories have some sort of like element of human detachment. Mm. You know, the the the, the individuality of, of people and of, of you know basically being alone. You know, uh, a lot of these characters that he writes about have like a very lonely life. Mm. And I feel like every day, like now more than ever, people are very lonely, you know. And then he tells this story, and in a way, there's always like a human connection towards the end of the, of, of the thing, you know. Yeah. So it's, it's always it's very relevant, you know. It's yeah, we we are lonely, but you know, we 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 have to basically connect with each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I like to think of Vonnegut's writing. He has like warnings. He's like a soothsayer, really. I don't know if he really was. Uh, he could. It's it's really scary accurate, like Sam is saying. Yeah, he's when, like Nostradamus. Right? Yeah, yeah, because you read something and it's like you see something that he's writing about, like in the news, the same week, mm. and it's like, well, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just the other day, I saw a photo somewhere, um, but he basically says like a letter for the humans living in 2088, you know, or something mm. like that. It was a list of things. It's like. I mean, a few of them were like, oh, like, take care of your planet, you know, be kind to each other, like, stuff like that. And it was, like, very interesting to see the things that he was alluding to writing this a hundred years ago, you know. Well, if if we're there, it's, like, more than a hundred years ago. Yeah. So it's it's scary. Mm -hmm. Honestly, like, he's a time traveler. Like, (laughs) Kirkonnegut, if you're somewhere... Lino, yeah, come see this. <laughs> come here. <laughs> 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 yeah, so we definitely, I mean, speaking to that, we want to adapt, hopefully in the future, we want to adapt more of his stories mm-hmm. because we think it's really important for people to hear his messages. And he's a beautiful writer. He has a beautiful wit. But, like, more than anything, he has something very important that people should be exposed to and people should pay attention to. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Netflix, if you're listening. Yeah, Amazon, like Black Mirror. Yeah, let's go. Come on. <laughs> um, one thing I don't think we've talked a lot about is the love story in the in the story um, between Will and Pat, right? Do right. You guys, how was that? Do you guys put a lot of emphasis on that? Did you kind of focus uh, more on? 
to me, I think that's almost secondary in the mm-hmm. story. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, because yeah. it's really the story is Epicac and his discovery of these concepts and the love triangle between. Really, it's about Epicac falling in love with this woman, but the the love between Will and Pat, it's in the in the story, it just seems fickle. You mm-hmm. know, it's not yeah. it's not as deep as what Epicac is going through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, I felt like that when we were when we were shooting. Yeah, I definitely felt like that. It was just something to um, it. You inject the love side of it, um, just to sort of move his. Um, his creation along to become more to become self-aware that was what exactly. took the next step for him right exactly mm-hmm. yeah yeah. it's like a starting conversation he's oh I want to I want. I love this girl oh tell me about her yeah. and then you go on from there boom yep um, I think if there's anything else to say about that about the love story um, it's yeah. a love story right yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a, it's a <laughs> I mean, what story. is there to say right <laughs> Yeah. So really, the love story is between Epicac and, and Pat more so, right? Like that's really? kind of yeah. Well, there's there's a story. Uh, where's a movie too? Uh, uh, it's called Cyrano de Bergerac, where it's basically you know set in like a medieval age, and it's some guy writing letters to someone, right? And then the messenger he's like, oh yeah, I'll help you take it to her, you know, because he mm-hmm. can't physically take it to her. So he takes the letters to her in the castle, and she begins to fall in love. But with the messenger, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and the messenger basically, you know, claims credit for all the letters and, and, and you know, like that's like the love triangle. It's basically the same thing that we, that, that happened in mm-hmm. the story. It's yeah. two guys, one girl, right? Yeah, two guys. Yeah. Classic yeah. love story. Just yeah. Go, yeah. And I don't want to give away the ending, but I do feel some sorrows of Werder. Like, I feel like Vonnegut got a little bit of inspiration with that, with Epicac's last act. <laughs> Very <Yeah>. Werder-esque. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Boom. Closes with a bang. Yeah. Okay, so I guess now we can move into more like the technical aspect. So Ooh, I guess Sam, that's yeah, how you. Sam. <laughs> 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 um, so I guess let's start off with like, what's the shot that or the setup that you were most proud of? Like, what was like, yeah. Well, I mean, we have a lot. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of stuff that we did that was great. I think it looks great. You know, and, and it, there, there's a magic side to we're all doing this and we're all you know moving in the same direction and we're all working towards one thing you know and it's great you know you see act, uh, the acting being great you know so the directing behind all that you know the production design the lighting everything sort of comes in and goes through that lens and gets recorded you know i think that's a magical side of like you know the whole process mm-hmm. um so there's a lot of that i feel like we hit a lot of magical moments on set um with the movement, you know, my job as a, as a cinematographer is try to, you know, have a visual language with the audience, you know, where, literally, where do I want to place the audience, you know, I, I like to think when I'm setting up a camera, it's like, where's the seat, the first seat from the entire audience, you know, how am I sitting them on this, you know, how mm-hmm. am I on this side, on this perspective of the character, or am I, like, completely opposed to him, and, like, start, you know, thinking of that, so... There was a lot of like thinking into what side we're looking, how are we blocking this, how are we moving, you know, if you move jerky and like mm-hmm. just imagine this, you know, for, for the ones that are listening, you know, if you, if I, if I tell you like, okay, you look, you're looking at a guy and the guy's running, you know, 
you can you probably saw that in five different ways. You can mm-hmm. have a very smooth motion where you were almost like floating beside him on your, or in front of him, or you can go handheld. You know, and what what's the difference? You know, how do you feel? Handheld is probably this guy's like running for his life. You know, he's in a battlefield. You know, or you can make it like, oh, we're like floating. We're like omniscient of the whole thing, and then we we we're there like just following his process but we're not there but we, we we're looking at him go through this process mm-hmm. so it's a very different feeling so the, I think I think we have a lot of that um, in the film we have a lot of beautiful movements and shots and you know like light basically tells us the time of the day but it also gives us this you know feeling mm-hmm. you know when we're there um, for like one of the romantic scenes okay for example when when Will, the main character, uh, when an Epicac are having conversations, like secret conversation, it's like it's like night, mm-hmm. right? So it's like nobody's there, and like he's having this intimate moment with Epicac, you know. And then everything is like cool, and and there's this warm light, just lighting Will, you know. It's like this warm, intimate light, this intimate moment, you know, uh, surrounded by all this clue, uh, like blue darkness, you know, and then. You know, a scene where there's something romantic happening. It's sunset. You know, it's it's golden light. It's beautiful. It's so all of this is you know crafted carefully to make you feel something subconsciously. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and there's a many many different approaches, and I think none of them are wrong. Uh, but you have to settle on something. You know, and part of the whole thing, it's always like, how do we want to say this? You know, how do we want to achieve it? And the lighting side of it, I knew from the beginning. I knew how we were going to do this, you know. And then you have to, you know, as a DP, choose a set of, of lenses and a, a camera, you know. And people think, like, yeah, I mean, that's something secondary. And it is. But it does help you, you know. And, and I would have loved to have the budget to shoot this on film because I think that was the right tool. Yeah, that been amazing. It gives you that texture. <laughs> yeah, real film, you, right? It's yeah. Uh, the next yeah. project. No, definitely. yeah. And, and I've <laughs> shot with it before, so I know how that feels. And I, I I wanted to have that feeling again. I wanted to see it. I wanted to, you know, see yeah. the grain and everything. But it's expensive, right? Mm-hmm. It's hard. It's, it's super difficult to achieve it. Even though I knew the people and I know the resources, it's just the money isn't there, you mm-hmm. know? Now, the second piece of that is, are the lenses. What, whatever is like, you know, what lens tells you, um, you know, what, what lens looks which way, you know? Um, there's very clean lenses nowadays you know everything's super sharp and we have 8k and everything is like you see the pores on people you know you Mm -hmm. can see through them basically and i hate that honestly you know and 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 maybe if a story calls for it then great but i don't think our eyes look at the world in 8k you know like that's well we don't look in digital yeah it's we're analog animals yeah exactly we're we're, that's overkill for me yeah so choosing a lens is very important and having <laughs> having a um a lens that tell, like helps you be there is great you know we we decided to shoot it with anamorphic lenses you know and those like for the people that don't know it they're $35,000 each lens mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. you know obviously you imagine the the quality of the of the, the build of um the lens you know, but it basically gives you this very wide aspect ratio, and it gives you this very nice depth and contrast and softness to the image. You know, those cook anamorphics are fantastic. Like I really 
<laughs> I really didn't want to return them, you know. I just wanted to keep them in my closet forever, <laughs> you know. Um, so, yeah, and then, I mean, I don't want to say we were lucky because we, we weren't, because I worked towards getting all this gear, you mm -hmm. know. It, nothing really fell for us in our hands, mm -hmm. you know. Everything yeah. was something we had to really go out of our way. I had to, you know, find a way to finance renting those lenses because it's not cheap, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, through favors and through, you know, pulling strings and, like, having, you know, things happen, you know, I found a set that was, you know, giving us a good price, and it had to be shipped from uh, Washington, D.C. Mm. So it's like sourcing everything, you know, mm. and then I, we got them shipped to us. You know, I remember the magical moment. You open the box and you see $100,000 worth of lenses, <laughs> and you're like, oh, my God, this is amazing, <laughs> you know? They're holding that much money in your hand is uh, yeah, unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, and the camera is like 30000 and the whole, like I want to say a full setup is probably like a quarter of a million dollars, you yeah. know, like maybe $150,000. Yeah, I don't know why people rob banks. You should just yeah, rob a few rob <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a safer, it's safer, you know. There's no guns in there, I don't think. <laughs> 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 Let's listen. cut that part out. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's drunk. Don't listen to him. <laughs> no, because no, the next time there's a robbery, they're, they're going to look at me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, those lenses were, were definitely the right way to go. If you look at the footage, there's something about it that, really drops you in the time period yeah, yeah. You there, right? um yeah. and and i don't i mean maybe maybe it's just me but i, I guess no, yeah definitely that, mm -hmm. that yeah having a crystal clear like you know modern digital like uh what's that movie you mentioned uh ex machina yeah. like that's not the move for this you know yeah. we no, needed no. old school anamorphic old school, right? like, no. that's no. a way if we're not shooting on Actually, film we yeah no ex machina was also anamorphic and they use very old Lenses. Oh, really? Yeah, but it yeah. was like without the filter. Thing. Yeah, well, they used different. It was a different method. Yeah. It was it was completely. Um, but it's interesting because they have a very modern sci-fi, but they have this very dirty, soft-looking lenses, mm -hmm. which is interesting to me, and I and I kind of like that. But um, you know, people people have different styles, you know, and like there's DPs that only shoot clean, right? And they like to have this sharp image and sharp defined edges, and mm -hmm. you know, and it's cool. I mean. Uh, uh, Roger Dickens is one of them, you know, he was yeah. just talking about, like, I like to shoot how you see the world, you know, mm -hmm. I like to be, see everything, and mm -hmm. I, I, I don't get flares in my eyes, so why would I have a flare, mm -hmm. you know, and then there's other people, you know, that embrace the flare, you know, like, uh, Lubezki shoots clean, but he uses flares, mm -hmm. you know, and then there's people that just go completely nuts and have flares and, like, softness everywhere, mm -hmm. you know, I like to choose whatever, like, depending on the project, I depending felt like this, had to be soft, had to be old, had to be this, you know, a highlight glooming in the, uh, uh, in the, like, bright areas of the, of the image, you know, like, make it feel, like, like, rusty in a way, you know, mm -hmm. I think that, was the, that would be the way to put it, so I felt like that was the way, so the cooks were going to give us that, but I didn't want any of the flares, right, mm -hmm. so I lit it in a way that I knew I was not going to get crazy flair mm. sci-fi you know like jj abrams star trek bullshit <laughs> you know? so you know i think it worked i mean i don't know yeah, I, i'm no, pretty happy with the result and hopefully people like it uh and to go back a little bit cause earlier you asked um the what things we had to change in the story mm. and whatnot when sam's speaking about the lighting being you know sunset lighting nighttime lighting the original story actually takes place fully at night completely overnight but you know that what that's one of the decisions you have to make to make it more visually appealing is adding these different times of day because it'd be 
a little bit more dull if it was the same lighting setup the entire time. So it does add a lot that, yeah. you know, Sam decided, oh, we're going to, the romantic scenes are going to be during the day. So now him and Pat are working together during the day, sunset. Mm-hmm. And then, you, and then the, the nighttime scenes become more intimate with Epic Act because it almost feels like he shouldn't be there. Like exactly. he's secretly staying there overnight. You know, after hours. No, so. I mean, and the added bonus to that is like, remember, we're shooting in one room, one set. Mm-hmm. You know, so how do you make it feel interesting? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? yeah, like how yeah. do that? Like, it, how do you stop it from making it you know feel boring mm-hmm. after the first two minutes? Yeah, and and it's like not even a room; it's half a room. It's half, <laughs> half a room, half a room because you can't shoot <laughs> one entire side of it. So it's really a challenge to to make it you know we had to get in tight sometimes why the yeah. wides are, are scarce because you know the if you just show the entire <laughs> the entire half room that we have then where do you go from there you yeah, know there's nothing else there's no surprise right there's nothing yeah, exactly so <laughs> we try to we try to make you you almost never see epic in its full form yeah. and we make yeah. it very rare for one that. shot where we see the, it's funny because we had three lenses right we had a 50 a 75 and then we had a 32 right and for the like we use the 50 and the 75 like a lot of the time the 32 it, it it's crazy but we only used it once yeah. we only used that lens as it should be once <laughs> as it should be you know you're gonna maybe you know for the for the people that know cinematography let's see if you can catch it let's see if you can catch that shot but um but yeah it was definitely like we don't want to show it you know like i think keeping it tight and like mysterious yeah. helps you like imagine what's not yeah there. i think that's more interesting as well from right. a, from somebody sitting in the seat watching the film mm-hmm. you know the more the more that you leave to the imagination yeah. okay you show a bit but then it you use the imagination it it, it makes it so much more interesting exactly. and it brings it alive right yeah that's, that's trying to piece know. together the geography of yeah. The yeah. Thing. yeah it's kind of like a horror movie approach in a way you know the old school horror yeah. movies because you know back in the day they didn't have the technology with all the bloody cgi so you would show the kid you know you could show mm-hmm. the killer come into a room you see the scream that's it you cut to black you know then the person imagines yeah you imagine the murder so I, the imagination is is a fucked up thing sometimes you can yeah. go really deep into that but now i feel like modern horror movies not all of them there's there's some really good directors out there but some of them lose their flavor because it's just like, this so, is exactly yeah. how the person gets killed you know yeah <laughs> no magic there this yeah. is ki- that's kind of the approach that mm-hmm. we took I think the tight shots also speak to how big Epicac was too, right? Because he was supposed to take up like so much yeah. room. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's kind of like this room is so small because he's so big, kind of. Yeah. 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 And then there's also implied that there's more behind the walls of Epicac. Mm-hmm. Like what we see is like the face kind of and the, the controls. And then with the sound design and everything, you would, it would be implied that there's <laughs> seven tons mm-hmm. more like mm-hmm. in the yeah. in yeah. the room no we we have a fantastic sound designer in um, mexico right now he's a friend of mine Mm. from high school but he went to the uh toronto film school um and he was like crazy to work on a project and i told him like yes dude like please that would be my honor so one of the things that he knows is um Remember, Epicac is this like the support, like the one of the main characters, you know. So yeah. all the basically all the dialogue and emotion has to come through sound. So it's your, <laughs> basically it's your job. You're the puppeteer, yeah. like you're giving us like emotion with Epicac, you know. And and I told him like, yes, we need it to feel like it's huge, like there's more behind the walls. So we're working on like the sound of you know getting that sound of like machinery behind walls and like big things moving and like think of a steam engine just 
you know, like going at it. Is that an Amber Alert? Hmm. Should, we, should we wait until they all go? Because yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah Uh oh. So. Um, does it still go off if it's on silent? I don't know. I, I minded for a second. I just like, like, put it off silent and then put it back on silent. And it's just like, but I don't. I don't live down here. Does that mean I still get it? <laughs> I, I probably live, Florida. I, I live further north. Yeah, I, I don't think, know. I don't I know. What's well, Sandler's <laughs> further north? North of the wall. <laughs> um, I'm gonna turn my phone off. I'm not getting it. Let's just keep going. Okay. What's the worst that can happen? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So the sound design is, as Sam was saying, is gonna add a lot because it's gonna imagine a seven-ton machine gets angry. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. what does that sound like? That's <laughs> that's uh, that's brutal. Yeah. And, and the music, the music is another huge aspect. Yeah. 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 They move us a lot. Mm-hmm. We have yeah. a very good original composer in Costa Rica. Very moving, right? Yeah. yeah. We'll, you know, we'll, we'll definitely um, get the uh, like if we do it the right way, and I think <laughs> we're heading in the right direction. But I feel like the music will also add to what we're feeling and help us relate to Will and to Epicac and and to Pat and you know the whole chemistry amongst them. Mm. So I guess like, what is something you learned from this production? So like overall, like you always learn something. So what's like the biggest thing you are gonna take from? this production oh man i learned a lot <laughs> i mean i think the <laughs> biggest thing is how to adapt a, a story into the screen I, i've never had that experience before and uh, i think it's it's something very very um what is it beneficial <laughs> for mm. for our careers to have to l- know how r- how hard it is and i have a newfound appreciation for people that adapt an entire novel mm. into that but besides that i mean because yeah every project is different and i think i feel like every project you learn a million things I think we learned a lot about production design in this project too because everything before this it was kind of like let's shoot with what we have never let's let's build what we don't have and then yeah. shoot it you know and that was cool also um, learning to direct a scene involving you know an actor and an inanimate object mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that's a very unique yeah. experience that maybe, I think you're gonna get that often yeah no. I might be I could put that on my resume because <laughs> <laughs> Recommendation, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think for me, those were those were the biggest things. Yeah, um, I think one of the things is it's probably the first period piece that I feel like I shot that mm. I feel we achieved the look and the feel of the of the of the period. Um, I think you know, as a DP, this is me learning like how what goes into making something you know craft something so beautifully and and try to immerse the audience there you know and then it was hard trying to like find the language and how we're gonna do this and like he said like getting the lighting so we feel different ways and making making it interesting that like making something so mundane you know if it's a guy sitting in a desk mm-hmm. like, how interesting <laughs> can that get um <laughs> making it interesting you know it's it's our job it's my job to like see how this is going to move and like how are we making this na- dynamic and so i definitely learned a lot from from that aspect you know um and also on set you know you're always learning you're always learning from people um we i have a fantastic technical crew um you know of a, a, a really good gaffer of kufre everyone loves him he's Kufri. fantastic um <laughs> and a, key, a fantastic key grip called danny boy you know yep. danny boy i take i'll take him anywhere you know mm-hmm. anywhere and everywhere you know i can't do this without 
uh, any of them. And we had Ethan also helping out. And we had um, Tr- Umberto, Umberto in camera, first AC, and then Tristan and, and uh, Octavio both helping also at second ACs. Uh, so the whole process was very smooth, you know, when you have a right team. And I think that was that, that's the second yeah. part of, of, of what I learned. When you put together a good team, it's easier to make a good product. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I'll second that. Yeah, it's 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 fantastic. Like I said, you know, I said it earlier today. I feel like um, Nick Fury putting together the Avengers because <laughs> it's you know I hate those movies, <laughs> but I, you know everyone understand the reference. Yeah, you know, um, you know, Krog has been a fantastic uh, director to the story. You know, he at first I was in the wrong mindset of like I'm gonna you know I'm gonna pull a PTA you know I, I mainly DP but you know what I'm, I think I'm gonna direct this one I'm gonna mm-hmm. test the waters and I realized I can't you mm-hmm. know I, I seriously it's a, it's a daunting task uh, maybe one day but I knew that I, that was not gonna happen and, and I knew that the right like deep down I always knew he was the man to do it you know, so Krog has been uh, very helpful. Victor, sitting right here, very quiet, um, <laughs> has been has been also a great great help. You know, he's been helping with the scheduling and the budgeting. You know, me, it, it, it's very toxic being a producer and a DP because the DP wants expensive shit, and the the producer is like, no, you're yep. not gonna get that. <laughs> but I'm both, so I'm like, fuck yes, I'm gonna get that. And he's the one voice of reason. It's like, no, we're not. And I'm like, fuck. Okay. <laughs> So, you know, and, and the actors, you know, mm-hmm. the sh- like shout out to David, Marily, you know, Alexei and, and Michael Neem Walker. Like everyone was great. Everyone delivered. Everyone did, the, you know, their part. You know, everyone was there. Great work ethic, you know, and everyone else that I'm not mentioning, all, you know, the first ADs that we had, um, you know, the, the, like the PAs, like the production designers, everyone that was behind the production team, you know, Ashley, uh, he, he always brings a game to the to the set. Um, everyone really, you know, even the people that you went and got the coffee, you know, the coladas, like that kept us going. <laughs> yeah. you know, like, mm-hmm. The coladas yeah, and the cocaine. Oh, you got cocaine? You didn't get one? No, you um, didn't get one cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so yeah, I mean, having the right team was definitely something I learned. Like, okay, this is it's it's easy now, you know, with the right people. Mm-hmm. So that was yeah. definitely the, the, the lesson. Yeah. All right. Awesome, guys. Thanks so much for your time. I'm really looking forward to watching the whole thing all put together. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks. Me too. I appreciate it. <laughs>